Hi everyone and welcome to the Perma Podcast. I'm James Prescott, your host. Really great to be with you all again. Um, I'm delighted to welcome um, Brandon Carlton to the podcast today and uh, he's going to share his story of deconstruction and reconstruction and um, I'm really excited to welcome him. Thank, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, James. Um, just before we get into talking about uh, Brandon's story, and it is a great story, um, I just wanted to also just I just wanted to give a quick shout out to um, my book um, Mosaic of Grace. Um, we're currently in the season of Lent, and I've had a few people contact me and tell me that my book, um, which came out a couple of years ago now, has been quite helpful to them as a Lent, Lent reflection. Um, people have read through it for Lent and found it quite helpful. So I just thought um, you guys might just like to go out there and get this book and um, and check it out and do a few Lenten reflections. Um, it's a book about grace. It's about what grace is about and why it's important and how it can transform us. And uh, yeah, it's on Amazon. It's called Mosaic of Grace. And I would love you to check that out. Um, and um, we threw it this Lent. Um, so, yeah, so a little, little plug there. But um, so let's get into um, Brandon's story. Um, tell us a bit about your story and, um, yeah, your journey. Yeah. Yeah, so I uh, grew up going to church uh, my whole life from a, a very uh, young age. I, I was in church every week, uh, multiple times a week even. Uh, and... I had really, um, from a young age, I had really bought into the evangelical uh, Western Christianity, evangelical paradigm. Uh, and I had bought into it so much that I actually, when I was done with high school, I decided I wanted to become a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a pastor for, in, in a couple different capacities, sometimes as a volunteer, um, other times a little bit more formally. Uh, but I, I was I was serving in some sort of leadership role uh, in a church from about age 19 on, and I, um, yeah, I, I bought into it, and I, I, that was my life, very much my life. And I, I had a bad experience. Um, I had switched the church that I was working at uh, when I was around 25, 26, and I had a very bad experience at that new church. And it actually opened my eyes to a lot of unhealthy behavior from my past. Mm-hmm. And that um, bad experience and, uh, and the, the time to reflect on my past experiences um, made me want to at first give up on Christianity and give up on faith in general and give up on pastoring. Mm. Uh, but I, after a season of not attending church at all, I started um getting this, this desire, having this desire to begin to reimagine what church might look like, um, try to reimagine a way to hold um, some sort of weekly gathering uh, that uh, was free of some of those toxic behaviors that I, that I, I noticed from my past experiences. Yeah, that's, that's what the book's about. Yeah, that's right. The book, and I should mention that um, when you go and buy my book, go and buy this book as well. Um, Meaningful again um, by Brandon Carlton. It's basically kind of the longer version of what you've just said. Um, yeah. um, and it's a, it's a, I think it's a fantastic book about deconstruction and reconstruction, um, especially in the context of church. That was the thing that I kind of 
that, 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 that stayed with me from the book was was that because one of the things that happens when we talk about deconstruction and reconstruction is that we don't talk about what does church look like after that what what happens after yeah. that like some people deconstruct and they kind of they leave christianity completely they become atheists or agnostic um some people go back to what what they were what they were before um or just a different version of it but there's other people i think like i think i'm i'm the same as you that we, we come out of it and we think well where am i now i kind of want some kind of spiritual community but not what i've had before and the kind of thing that i want maybe isn't there isn't much of it out there so where do i go you know so yeah. Um, and that's basically, I think that's what basically happened, happened to you, isn't it? Like, um, yeah. I mean, the story in the book, you talk about when you were, you were trying to start a church and trying to start a business at the same time and the struggles of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like how did, how did you kind of start to reframe what church was or what community, spiritual community looked like? So similar to what you just said, we, uh, my wife and I, um, we took a, you know, some time off from attending church and we uh, tried, I hate the term, right, people, I don't know, um, it's a term we use here, at least uh, in middle America is saying uh, church shopping. We did some church shopping and we went, visited a couple different churches mm. and every church that we went into, we immediately did not feel welcome. And I write wow. about this in the book. Uh, I'm I'm a white, straight, cisgendered male. I um, my whole the fact that I walked into a church and didn't feel welcome um, is not. I don't say that to be a, a pity party. I, I'm very privileged, and most rooms I walk in, I feel welcome. Uh, but it, I was experiencing this very um, for the first time in my life. This feeling of walking into a building and not feeling uh, mm -hmm. welcome. Uh, and that was for a couple reasons. One, my theology wasn't welcome. Uh, my more progressive theology or my questions or my doubts uh, typically weren't welcome. Mm. And then also my uh, depression wasn't welcome uh, during that season uh, of life. Uh, and, I, and still I, I experience um, depression. And so I would walk into these church services and they were um, not very welcoming to people with mental health issues. So I, after wow. going to maybe a dozen churches and not and having a bad experience there, that's when I started asking the question of like, is there a way to create a church that is welcoming to the, really those are the two primary things we focus on mm. uh, being welcoming to people who have doubts or maybe not even doubts, but they just don't, they, they're agnostic or they're atheists or they're, they're not, they're unsure of where they're at. They're still figuring it out. And then two, how can we be welcome to people um, that are going through mental health issues? Um, and sometimes it's not even mental health issues. They just, people want to be, I, we want to make a space where people feel safe to go through hard times. Um, you know, if a loved one dies hmm. and you want to um, share that with somebody, a lot of times it, it, in my past church experience, it's like the response is you need to pray more. You need to read your Bible more. Um, you know, things like that versus really being with somebody as they go through this tough experience. Mm. Um, and so that is what, that, that's kind of, I, I wanted to have a, a community where, you know, people were felt safe to go through these hard, they could be honest and vulnerable and say, hey, I'm going through a hard time in life right now. And they weren't looked at, you know, uh, you know, weirdly. 
um, mm. and a place where people could feel free to doubt and question. So mm. those two things are really what drove me to consider, um, you know, trying to, to make a different type of church gathering. Mm, yeah, and it, it just, I suppose I shouldn't be shocked about churches not dealing with mental health things very well anymore, but it still shocks me every time I hear it. And yeah, that that people that the Christian, that people who are meant to follow this this guy who was the embodiment of compassion and inclusion and understanding, and you know that, that they just don't. Yeah, it just it, I just, I just can't get my head around it. Like you know, I, I was lucky. Even the church I left when I deconstructed actually was really good about mental illness. Like. Mm. Um, you know, I didn't always didn't agree with everything in the church, but that was one thing it actually did quite well. And you know, so it just shocks me that the the church is a place where some some churches are places where people with mental illness don't feel safe because it should be the opposite. Yeah, the one um, area in particular, in my opinion, um, at least in my church experience, uh, when it comes to singing songs, worship songs, mm. they're, uh, they're very, uh, they tend to almost always be very positive, very uplifting. Mm. They don't, they don't remind me, you know, you know, some of those, uh, real, um, vulnerable and like guttural almost, uh, psalms where, yeah. where David's like crying out and saying like, where are you? I'm mad at you. I feel terrible. My life is going, you know, terrible. There's no real songs like that sung anymore. Um, no. at least in my church experience. And that I'm was, what, um, that, but that's what I was looking for. I was like, I, I need a, I want to sing these songs. I don't want to sing a song saying how happy I am. Cause frankly, I'm just not happy. And I did that. Um, yeah. So that, that there's, there's some very surface level or obvious ways that churches don't handle mental illness very well. But then there's these more subliminal subconscious ways, like you never having a song lyric that addresses sorrow or pain. Yeah. Um, those are, those are a little, those, that's mm. a little bit more sneaky, you know? No, I noticed that myself actually, now you, now you come to mention it. It was like every, every song was like, Jesus, my girlfriend, um, isn't he great? Isn't he lovely? Isn't he wonderful? Like, let's all celebrate and be happy, and forget all the pain and stuff because God could take it away, and because Jesus has risen again, so it's all okay and everything's fine. And it's like, really, that's not real life at all. That's yeah. just like, it's just not real life. Um, and it's not even in the Bible. I mean, like, I hate using that, like, oh, it's not in the Bible. You know, like, that's the old Christian, like, jargon, like... But Psalms, you just, men- you just mentioned Psalms. Like, I lo- one of the reasons I love Psalms is because of that. There's loads of that stuff there. Like, where are you? What are you doing? Like, why, yeah. why aren't you here? Like, I, you know... Um, and it's not all happy ever after. And it's not all, like, everything's okay. And it's not that, God, you're awesome like and i just give you worship because you automatically deserve it like yeah you know it's like really actually lots like human struggles and um a lot of church songs miss that it's, i have i have a big thing about songs in the church not just in terms of that what you're talking about but theologically and stuff as well but yes but yeah, yeah a, so, lot of, a lot of poor theology even from a, a more conservative um 
approach to theology. There's still a very a lot of poor theology in, in a lot of modern worship songs. Um, but yeah, I think too, like not even in just the Old Testament or uh, the Book of Psalms. I think that the story of Jesus has these very existential crisis type. If, mm. if you if you look at them in the right way and through the right lens. Um, you can start seeing, I believe, well, when I read some of the stories, especially in the Gospel of Mark, I um, there's actually a really good book. If uh, It's called Existential Jesus by John Carroll. And he breaks down the book of Mark in a way that paints Jesus as this very frustrated um, figure who is, who is kind of upset with the, the task before him and that and the people mm. that he's been um you know yeah. you can read some read read into some of the lines where he gets pretty up, upset with the disciples like how could you not this is i made this so clear like yeah it's like really i get this he gets yeah it's a in that book he, he describes jesus as very frustrated and angry and kind of having this um it's obviously a heretical take on it for some people, but I love that um, interpretation of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I spoke with um, a friend of mine for, for this podcast, actually, a couple of weeks ago. The episode's not... The episode will go out after this episode, which is going to be really... Which, which might make sense to some listeners, but um, we talked about um, the emotion, Jesus' emotional side and his, you know, um, his own struggles. And you know, people, listeners will hear this in a future episode. And uh, but one of those things with some of these stories of Jesus, where we don't actually see, we don't actually understand, we don't understand the context. Like, um, you know, when the story of Lazarus and Martha's not like, oh, if you've been here, like, then my brother wouldn't have died. It's like, why weren't you here? Like yeah. you would have saved him. Like, um, and we go into a lot of that and that, that'll be in a future episode, but, but you're right. I mean, there's a whole load of stories of Jesus where we see like, you know, he, he, he went through a lot himself. He was, he wasn't, he didn't just grow up and suddenly have the, suddenly have the Bible imprinted into his mind and like, like everything was perfect and he was fine and he was all, everything was settled and easy for him. Yeah, you know he, he had very human problems himself. Um, yeah, sometimes I think we forget that. Um, I agree. I think that in the, a lot of the different issues and problems that I have with with worship songs, with theology, uh, with liturgy, with you know just the church in general, um, a lot of it could probably probably be traced back to. Um, the way that we handle Jesus is uh, humanity. Uh, I feel like the, a lot of the focus is on his divinity. Um, if you're looking at the, you know, the classical sense of um, fully man, fully God, um, we don't really talk about fully man ever. We mainly just talk about fully God. Uh, and I think there's a lot of different, like I said, I think there's a lot of different issues that stem from the uh tendency to focus mm. on fully god versus fully man absolutely agree yeah and I mean, one of the things i wanted to ask you actually um this is something i've experienced too how is it like it wasn't just what you believed that changed it was how you believed so kind of unpack that for us that you know because i think a lot of people would interested in that and that's something i've experienced too so yeah i i think if i'm understanding uh the, the question right 
um, I was very much obsessed with um, apologetics. So I would read book after book that would help me prove why I believe uh, what I believe and why that's the right answer and that's the correct belief to have. That was very much my focus for the first 25 years of my life was trying to figure out um, the, I wanted to hold the correct set of beliefs. That was the, the primary goal. Um, now I rather this, this I'm oversimplifying it in, in a sense, but um, now I rather hold the incorrect beliefs, but be uh, better at loving my neighbor. I used to have all of the right, I think, think that I had all the right beliefs, but I was actually kind of a bad friend and I was a, a, a bad neighbor. I was a bad spouse. Uh, and now I'm a little bit more interested in like, how do my beliefs help me love my neighbor? And I found out that no matter what belief I hold for the most part, it doesn't really affect me like how if I'm being uh, Christ-like or not. Mm. You know, that, that um, yeah, I, I'm a lot less concerned about having the right answers and I'm more concerned about how can I be more compassionate? How can I be more loving? How can I um, stand up for those that are being oppressed? Uh, that's more of what the kind of questions that I'm interested in asking, which I think if I get to the bottom of those uh, questions, I'm actually going to be more Christ-like than if mm. I spend my time uh, just trying to memorize Bible verses and try to get, you know, spend my time in apologetics. Um, so yeah, that, that's, I don't know if that's what you're looking for. Oh, but well, that, no, that's, that's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, I think, I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's about, I think Jesus came to show us how to be fully human, yeah. like how to be people who love others and have compassion and love our neighbor and um, forgive each other and listen to each other. And, you know, rather than saying, I came to give you a set of beliefs that you have to believe and follow or you're going to hell. Yes. It was more like, this is how you be human in this world. This is the best way to be human. This is um, how you get in tune with what's, what God is doing in the world, you know, yeah. and what God uh, is the, like, you know. And the, yeah, the example that I um, write about in the book is I, I would argue uh, for hours on end with people about whether or not the resurrection uh, was historical or if it was figurative. Um, which is a, um, hmm. I think, in some ways, is a is a perfectly fine way to spend your time and, and to discuss and dialogue around. But that question that used to be one of the most fundamental, interesting questions to me was, you know, is the resurrection historically true? And now that question, I tend to find it a little bit boring. I, I rather ask the question of where do I see death and new life in my life presently? Where do mm. I see resurrection? Where do I see new birth in my life? Um, where do I see old versions of myself dying away? Those are way more introspective and personal questions that I think no matter what you believe religious-wise, you can find those questions interesting and intriguing, um, and, and they can improve. Yeah, they can improve your life. They can make you be more present in your 
life, like we, all the things we're listing, they can make you more compassionate, more loving uh, when you start asking those kind of questions. Uh, but the more ethereal, intellectual disputes about historical accuracy, those, in my personal experience, don't make me, I, I, I don't know, they just don't excite me anymore. Mm. I, don't, I don't find them interesting. No, I'm the same. I mean, I don't really think about that anymore. I don't really think about what I believe anymore. I actually don't think about it. Yeah. Um, it's like it's really freeing. Yeah, it is. It's really liberating because sometimes you catch yourself and you think, should I should I really sit down and think about what I believe? And then it's like, no, I don't. I don't really want to do that. I don't. I don't need to do that. You know, it's like um, I don't need to know that to know that I that God exists and that like that Jesus is true. You know, and whatever that means, and that, yeah, you know, to, and to find that the, the the life of Jesus meaningful and life changing, you know, and you know, and as I got to know Jesus as a human being, I found more solidarity with him in a sense, and felt closer to him. So, and actually felt closer to God, you know. So, yeah. it's really weird how that happens. <laughs> where you, where you feel closer to where well, you start getting closer to Jesus as a human being and then and you connect with him that way but then suddenly suddenly you find yourself connecting more to God as well yeah you know? I think that is um I don't write about it too much but it's definitely um I because I'm not a a, a proper theologian so I didn't want to, I try to avoid theology as much as I could in my book but um I think uh mm. one of the the core issues right now that I'm kind of noticing with, with a lot of my theology that I, or my past theology is this idea of original sin and mm. that it so when you said um the more you embrace jesus as uh, fully human and you got in touch with your own humanity you actually got in touch more with god i think that is um exactly how it should work but original sin has kind of taught us not to trust ourselves to not trust our humanity, that anything that's wrapped up in our humanity is evil and wrong and not of God. Uh, and I, that's um, all due, I think, to, to our approach to original sin, uh, the belief that what's deepest within us is wrong or evil versus the belief that uh, what's deepest within us is of God and is holy. And I think that um, if you go on that journey and realize that what's deepest within you is of God, when you when you really become fully human, you somehow tap into this divine energy. Um, yeah, that 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 journey that you described makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's some, not something. That, and the thing about it is that it's not something you can get to cognitively. It's not something you can get to in your head. Like yeah. you can't just decide to go to that place it has to something that has to be something that is experienced kind of in your subconscious or in your in your soul um it has to be a genuine transformation it's not and that's why i love it because you know like we were talking about often people emphasize what you believe and how that changes everything and that's really yeah. a cognitive thing and that's not that's not real change in a sense it's just like shifting your knowledge and then suddenly, like that knowledge change, yeah, that knowledge can change you, but it doesn't change you on the inside. It's still in yeah. your head. Like I was, I remember that I for a long time I read I read a lot of Richard Rohr and about his non-dual 
thinking and non-binary spirituality and all that kind of thing and i knew it in my head for a long time and i kind of believed it but i didn't it wasn't it hadn't sunk into my my soul and then yeah. i was having this conversation with my spiritual director and we were talking about something i think it was donald trump or something like that something with politics and kind of binary politics and how I, and I started arguing about how we need to kind of meet in the middle and hear each other's stories and then it suddenly dawned on me it's like oh i actually get this now this is like part of my my soul this is like yeah. not this is in my subconscious now it's not just in my head anymore it kind of made the, the connection and that's when i kind of was able to start really living it and embodying it rather than just having it in my head and trying to apply it because it was yeah. part of me you know and i think that's that's the difference when it comes to kind of like really internalizing how what we believe and kind of you know yeah and how we see the world that to me sounds like death and new life mm. you know uh i feel like adopting a new set of beliefs just sounds like you're changing your outfit like a new it's a new set of clothes Whereas, yeah, experiencing something like that on a very deep level that doesn't make any sense um, or there's no yeah, real, like, rational line of how you got there, but it's this real um, soul-level experience. That, to me, sounds more like uh, death in your life than, than mm. any, adopting yeah. any set of beliefs. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, my understanding of death and resurrection has, has changed. Like, like when you were talking about it before, like, it's definitely not, the literal thing that ma that matters as much to me now it's it's i see it as a cycle of life you know um, death and resurrection it's kind of and i actually deconstruction and reconstruction for me hasn't just been a kind of church or religious spiritual kind of thing it's been a life thing mm -hmm. um and it seems to me to be an ongoing cycle of life you know like it's kind of death and resurrection you know and death and rebirth you know uh, regeneration i call it um, yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, it's almost like, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, that when I was growing up, that was the um, that was the ideal that what was happening in with your relationship with God was actually going to affect your whole life and change you in all these other areas, not mm -hmm. just in your religious life, um, but somehow. For me, in my personal experience, that didn't happen. It was my church life kind of just affected my church life. My my beliefs just affected, you know, that little corner of my world. Versus, I I'm right there with you. This I when I've been deconstructing, it's actually been it's been changing the way I I, I deal with my politics. It's been changing the way that I approach my job. It's been changing so many different aspects of my life more than just my religion. Yeah, yeah, I think. It's a very human experience, you know. Um, yeah, well, we, we've got really, got really deep here. Like I, um, I kind of I just on terms of like your story. Like, what was it? What what was it like in that period where, kind of, you left? You kind of you'd left the church, but you hadn't found anything else, and you were kind of in between. And you were, you know, kind of figuring out what you believed or how you believed or what it was all about. What was the kind of that, what was it like in that space, in that kind of in-between space, like, for you? And how did that affect your life at the time? Like, 
that uh, that season for for my wife and I was kind of filled with um, two different uh, contrasting experiences. Maybe maybe even three. One was we we thoroughly enjoyed it, um, getting to sleep in on Sunday mornings after going to church um, every Sunday morning for most of our lives, and then also going to church, you know, multiple nights during the week. So we, we actually, um, we, we felt very guilty a lot of times. Also, that was still a part of our mindset. We felt like God was mad at us when we didn't attend church. But we had this, I mean, it was a paradoxical situation because we also found ourselves absolutely loving um, the time off in a free Sunday morning. And really what came out of that was I realized um, just how unhealthy my relationship with attending church was. And that, it, that attending church in itself is not an unhealthy thing to do, but my uh, obsession with being there every week uh, and my, my idea of, of this punitive, angry God who's going to be mad at me when I don't show up, um, we also noticed that that was a very unhealthy view to have. Um, so there was actually a lot of a lot of what we do now um, with our church. It was kind of born out of that season. Um, mm. we, we build in a lot of different things into our, our yearly calendar that allows for rest and um, allow for uh, people to um, not have to show up every week and without you know the, that feeling of someone's going to be mad at them, whether it's me as the pastor or God. Um, being mad so that's um yeah that 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 experience of not actually just um which i can plug at the end but we have a a, a church podcast and uh, just a couple of weeks ago uh we had a friend of mine come and share um she has not gone to church for three years um which is kind of ironic because her wife is a pastor yeah. um but she has not gone to church for three years, and I asked her to come speak on Sunday morning to share how uh, about how great that has been for her spiritual health. I think for, for seasons, it can be really healthy to not attend church. And so I wanted to make it very clear that I wasn't just saying that. You know, I say that a lot on Sunday mornings. Like, you don't need to be here every Sunday. Um, and so I kind of wanted to put... Uh, put my money where my mouth is, so to speak, and have someone come there that says, hey, I haven't gone to church for three years and it's been great. Um, and that you can listen to that um, episode of our podcast too, because I, I did an interview with her. Wow, that sounds awesome. And what's the name of that podcast? Uh, so Connection Quad Cities is what you would want to search. And that is on iTunes and on Stitcher, uh, Connection Quad Cities. Awesome. I'll definitely check that out. That sounds really great. And that is so revolutionary as well. Like, a pastor actually saying, you don't have to be here. It's okay. You can take a break. You can take a few years off if you want. Like, that is so refreshing and it's liberating as well. Because as, a, as somebody who's going to that church, it's like, oh, well, I don't have to be here. I come here if I if it's right for me to be here. Like, you know and in my like my spiritual health is more important to this this church leader than me just being here like say bums on seats and numbers and money and all that that's not their priority their priority is my my health my my spiritual health you know yeah and that's what church should be 
you know that, I mean that, that's really awesome I've never heard that before like I've never heard a pastor do that before that's really really great that we, we've been making this shift even in the last couple of months as seeing what we do um, a little bit more as sort of like um, Alcoholics Anonymous or any other addiction group um, it's sort of like a, a resource for the community right we are here as this safe space for spiritual discussion for contemplation um, for community, we are here for you if you need this. If you need um, to come to church on Sunday, we're here for you. If you don't need to be here, that's okay. Don't come like that. We're, this isn't uh, um, exactly like you said. It, this isn't a thing where the main goal is just to have uh, the, all the seats filled and have all the you know bills paid and all that kind. Of, like that's the that's the antithesis, in my opinion, of spiritual health. Um, so yeah, that's something that we we are continually trying to work on and continually trying to be uh, trying to communicate to everybody who attends that like this isn't um, yeah no, no one's going to be mad at you you know if you're not here and you need to sleep in or you need to you know whatever to do whatever you need to do on a Sunday morning um, we are not the only valid going to church is not the only valid way to spend your Sunday morning. Mm, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. And it's a contrast as well, because I remember at the start of your book, you tell a story about how you and, your wife, you and your wife were volunteering in church. And it was almost kind of the opposite of what you do now, which is, it was, they were almost like obligation. Like you had to, to, had to show up every week, you had to volunteer, and you had to give absolutely everything all the time, and or else like you're in trouble. And how that yeah. burnt you out, you know. Um, and actually, you said in the book that you left that church because of this, like, and that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a, the, I, I spoke at the beginning about a bad experience, and that was that bad experience at that. Um, we, we were absolutely just run ragged. Me and my wife both were completely exhausted, um, spending 30 or 40 hours a week at the church on top of our full t- other full-time jobs. Mm. And we, um, we just couldn't keep doing it anymore. We, we eventually, after multiple seasons of, of burnout and exhaustion, it was maybe like, you know, we're four or five years into uh, this experience. And it finally, it just the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And there was one Sunday morning where... Um, I, I kind of write about it in the book a little bit. I write my, my schedule for Sunday morning and it's, mm. I won't get into it now, but it, it was absolutely ridiculous amount of work to put onto one person in a given day. Um, and that was it. I, we got home from church that day and I said to my wife, like, we have to be done with this. You know, we can't keep doing this. Mm. Yeah. And it's really great that, that you've taken the lessons that you learned from that and, turn that into something really great for other people and that you know that you don't have to be here you don't have to show up this is about your health it's about your growth it's about your like development it's it's you know it's not you know you're not hit you're not obliged to anything this is you know do what is best for your own growth and your own your own health um yeah and that's a really positive thing um so in terms of like, how did your like? Where, I mean, where are you kind of now in terms of like, you know, your your spiritual journey? What you know, what what place are you in now? 
Yeah, I I don't I'm having a hard time honestly um, lately putting language around what I believe. Um, I think I probably most accurately and most objectively could be called an agnostic, um, but a, a Christ-leaning agnostic maybe. Um, I, I love the stories of Jesus, uh, but I definitely uh, don't see, um, well, one, I'm not entirely sure that heaven is or hell are places that we go much uh I, I kind of see them right now maybe more as uh, states of being as far as like how we go through life. I think heaven, um, we could experience heaven on earth, uh, if you want to use that phrase. Um, so that automatically, and if I do believe in a heaven and hell, I don't believe in a God that's going to um, eternally punish somebody for not um, saying, I believe in Jesus. Um, so that kind of uh, has been... A, is very liberating. I don't feel like I need to necessarily, um, you know, believe anything super specific. Um, mm. So I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question or not. Um, but like I said, like I said, I genuinely am, am. There's some days when I don't believe in God at all. Uh, there's some days when I, I don't see God. Mm. Uh, what we are. Um, when we're recording this, uh, that we, you know, we just found out about two mass shootings in New Zealand. Um, mm, yeah. and it's really hard for me to, um, it's been, it's been a heavy day, you know, for, for me personally. I'm, um, but yeah, that, so there's some days I don't believe in God at all. And then there's other days where, um, I see God all over and I see that the, the presence of the, the divine, um, all over. And so I'm kind of right now just giving myself that freedom. Um, I, I, I'm a big believer in the return of repression. And I feel like if, if I um, repress my feelings of um, when I say, I, I, you know, if I were to say, no, I, you have to believe in God, you have to believe in God, ignore all those emotions when you and feelings that say God isn't real. I think that does way more harm than good. Mm. So I'm kind of just giving myself the freedom to um, not, you know, have, have a, a firm belief on anything and, and giving myself the freedom to kind of um, sway side to side a little bit. Uh, I imagine at some point in my life, you know, next 10, 15 years, I'll probably have a little bit more of a firm stance yeah. on everything. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, and I agree. I'm kind of with you in a sense, and it's not about for me like getting to a getting to a destination. Yeah, like oh, and it's like oh, and now I've got everything. Now, now I'm in a place where I've got all the answers. I'm okay. Like now I know what I believe. Like in a sense, it's almost this journey for me has been like, and I think it sounds like it's the same with you that that it's just like well, let's just see what's next. You know, let's just keep on. Yeah keep on learning keep on growing keep on exploring like keep on questioning you know and just going deeper and wider and seeing yeah. where it goes you know rather than just like i'm just looking for answers and i want all the answers so that i can be okay you know um yeah i i feel like for years i had people telling me um religious leaders telling me who I was and, and what I was supposed to be um, and what I was supposed to believe. And it's, uh, that's a lot, a lot of 
years of conditioning that's very hard to undo. And I feel like that's a lot of what my, my um, journey is right now is learning to trust myself and learning to listen to myself and learning to find my own voice um, and not to be able to decide for myself who I am and what I believe versus looking to an external religious figure to tell me those things. Um, we had somebody put it a little bit more poetically the other week. She uh, came to our church and she said, she's, she's come off and on for years, but she said, um, I feel like every room I walk into, people have paintings of me and they're trying to hand them to me. And they say, this is you, this is what you look like. This is you, this is you. Um, and everybody's painting looks a little bit different. And she's kind of like, her arms are starting to get full as they're handing her all these pieces of papers that have her, you know, painted or drawn on them. And she said, when I come to a connection, when I come to your church, I feel like everybody hands me a blank piece of paper and a pen and says, who are you? Why don't you show us who you are? You can be whatever you want. And um, that is, you know, that's exactly where I feel like I'm at in life is I'm just trying to get rid of all the people trying to hand me pieces of paper that tell me who I am. And instead, I'm trying to sit down every day with a blank canvas and, and figure out, you know, draw my own portrait of who I am. Mm, that is wonderful. Wow. <laughs> That's so great. I want to come to your church now. <laughs> um, yeah, it sounds, it's so great what you're doing. I think like we need more like that, more, more like this, more things like this, more places and spaces like that, you know, where you can just come and be you and it's okay, whatever, you know. Um, yeah. I've, I've found a spiritual yeah. community like that. It has a lot of, it has a lot of liturgy and contemplation and silence and, you know, Taze stuff, and um, so in some ways, there's a lot of old churchy stuff, but it's very different. It's not old church at all. In in other ways, it's again, it's like questioning, mystery, doubt. Everyone comes as yeah. they are. Like, just come, and it's a, just a safe space. You know, it's like it's, it's the same. Um, yeah, it's really strange how like I think we're gonna have to find new ways of doing spiritual community now like it's just good so it's just how it's going and i think what what you're doing is is amazing like it really is uh it's inspiring um i mean what for other people who are on the same journey as you maybe at a different point what would kind of be your message of of hope and solidarity to them yeah i one of the um so i, I at the very end of the book I, I write about, um, I, I am not an author. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be a, 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 ever a full-time professional writer or anything like that. I wrote this book because uh, when I went through this journey, I felt very alone. Um, I didn't know there was a lot of people out there like you, James, uh, and, and other people all across the globe who, who are going through the same thing. Mm. Um, and so that's part of the reason why I wrote it was just to maybe be um, comforting to someone who's going through it. And what I learned is as I um, stepped out in vulnerability and as I stepped out with, with my story, um, people started coming out of the woodwork uh, saying, me too, or I, I have also gone through this, or I also am going through this. 
So if I had any advice uh, or any message to people who are in a similar place, it's that you're not, I'm, I'm sure you feel alone, but I promise you that you aren't. And I encourage you to, um, to find people um, to, to do the, the sort of risky, vulnerable, extroverted task, which I'm a huge introvert, um, but kind of do the, um, yeah, the vulnerable task of putting yourself out there and trying to find people who agree with you. Um, going through this journey alone is going to make you feel like you're absolutely crazy. Um, I feel like I, I still sometimes am like, am I, am I losing my mind? Am I going crazy? Um, and then I, I meet someone like you and we have a conversation and then all of a sudden I, I feel uh, sane again. Um, and so that's, that's if I had any message, that's what it would be is to find community of, uh, try to find a community of people that, um, are going through the same thing and that is invaluable that community is just invaluable mm, absolutely I, yeah that's, yeah I agree and there's plenty of communities there's communities online um, certainly I think like the litigious communities on Facebook are really great um, and I'm sure there's other places as well online where you can find it and yeah. and just like try and find people way, like where you are and get together just like, do it ad hoc you know kind of thing yeah you can find it um in a uh, bowling league you can find it at a bar you can find it in a pub you can find it um in a knitting group i don't know a book club you can find mm. that community in so many different places um just anywhere that allows you to be who you are and doesn't require you to change before they will accept you um mm you can find that and, and and that i think is my personal opinion of the base level definition of a church is um a community that doesn't ask you to change um mm. before they welcome you um, yeah and or and not even you know there's no expectation for you to ever change if you want to change and that's something that you're looking for then maybe we can help you but that's not ever an expectation for us is to have you come in and be a different person in, in a matter of time. Yeah, absolutely. That's brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, really, yeah. really encouraging. I think really inspiring. Um, I think a lot of people will get a lot of hope out of, out of this and your story. Yeah, well, thank you seriously so much for, uh, for having me on. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, and people can. How can people connect with you online um, and get your book? Um, so yeah, uh, so my book is for sale on Amazon um, globally. I think I, I'm in all the different Amazon markets, um, and so you can just search "Meaningful Again" by Brandon Carlton. Otherwise, I, I'm on uh, a Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my Twitter is at bc the heretic. And uh, my uh, Instagram is Brandon Carlton CC. Uh, you can also uh, befriend me on Facebook. Just search Brandon Carlton. Um, I'll, I'll be happy to, to uh, just be, I don't have like an author page or anything like that. Otherwise, our church website is connectionqc.org. Uh, and you can also find my contact information there. Awesome. That's fantastic. So connect with Brandon, get his book. It really is. I really do recommend it. It's it's a really encouraging book and um, lots of solidarity and encouragement there, I think. So, um, again, thanks for coming on, Brandon. 
and um, thanks for listening everyone and take care and we'll talk again soon <laughs>